was this belief in something bigger than yourself, this belief in giving back, community, connecting with others, filling this mm. gap that I think a lot of us have, have empty because we're not necessarily religious. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, exactly. even just even just meditating, even the fact mm-hmm. that people talk about, oh, you should meditate each day. Well, 50 years ago, didn't talk about that, but that's because people prayed every day. Hello and welcome to Modern Intuition Podcast with your host, Olivia Scott. In this podcast, we talk all things intuition, spirituality, manifestation, and the road to uncovering soul purpose. I will be chatting with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, business owners, and industry experts to hear their road to creating success and how intuition has played into that journey. We uncover practical tools and inspiration to use in our own modern day lives to create our own version of happy, high vibration living in alignment with our true authentic self. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 6 of Modern Intuition. I actually have just found out about 10 minutes ago that Modern Intuition Podcast is ranked to number 11 in the New Zealand spiritual section, which is amazing. It's just risen 24 places to number 11, which I think is a pretty cool number. I'm happy just to sit at 11. (laughs) So thanks everyone who are sharing the podcast and subscribing and giving us a rating. Thank you so, so much. I am very happy to let you know that today's episode is a lot better quality than my past episodes have been. I have had to um, really sip it up with the audio quality. Um, I really, really wasn't happy with the audio quality of the first five episodes and it's taking me a lot of refining and I will let you know that today's episode is finally a lot better and I'm going to continue improving it so thank you for bearing with me. I just have a quick announcement that on Friday the 1st of November I am hosting a two-hour workshop called Modern Woman's Guide to Intuition and Higher Self. There is currently an early bird price of $70, which will then go up to $85 on Sunday the 20th of October. Um, It's already about halfway full, so if you are in Auckland and you're wanting to come along, we would love to have you, love, love, love to have you. The workshop itself will be focused around how to use source energy and tapping into higher energy to access our intuition, to really create uh, a relationship with our intuition. And you know, intuition is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it comes through. So tools and techniques around that and then how we can actually use that in our daily life to create authentic manifestations and how to remove limiting beliefs from our subconscious mind in order to create a life that we are truly, truly lit up by. Uh, I I held this workshop about six weeks ago and it sold out and it was an awesome night. So I thought, why not do another one? This is a slightly bigger venue this time around. It's actually at the brand new Breathe Loft, which is this beautiful New York style loft with brick walls and wooden floors and it's just stunning. It's up on the third level and it's a beautiful space. So I can't wait to have it. If you'd love to come along, I will link it in the show notes. It is also available on my website, www.lovebyolivia.com. 
or you can message me on Instagram to find out more information about it at lovebyolivia underscore. So today's podcast guest is Buffy Gill from Beakwood Organics. Buffy is also a naturopath and we really go deep in today's conversation. We talk about really getting real with who we are and having to really face up with our fears. She had to go through this at quite a young age when she got Graves' disease and she went on a journey on how to heal her Graves' disease and she, she did this from going from 12 medications a day to 18 months later coming off all medication. She talks about tools and techniques and philosophies she learned in order to really, really connect with herself here and heal her body. We also talk about self-love and self-care rituals and how she had to really face off with some self-worth issues she was having. And she also shares a lot around her technology hygiene and social media hygiene and how it can be a place of real happiness and inspiration, but it can also be the opposite of it. And I'm sure we've all experienced negative effects of social media. And she shares some really interesting kind of helpful tools and techniques to navigate this. And we talk about so much more, but you just have to listen to find out. So as always, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Without further ado, introducing you to Buffy. Hi, Buffy. Hi, love. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you. Firstly, for everyone, for anyone who doesn't know Buffy, Buffy is a powerhouse. She's a naturopath, a nutritionist, a speaker, the owner of online store Be Good Organics, mother to two beautiful babes, and partner to longtime boyfriend Tony, and an advocate of plant-based eating. When we met about probably eight years ago, maybe now, the wellness industry, the whole space was so different. Mm. You were the only person who I knew that was selling a specifically organic range. I remember you were the only person that was selling raw chocolate, which was like a million dollars at the time. And it was this brand you'd bought over from Australia and it was like the most exciting thing. But it was also very small. That was before the wellness kind of boom had happened. Mm. And so much as in the industry has changed back then. Mm. How did you come to start and create that business? Yeah, I, yeah I'd done a BAB com at Auckland Uni and I'd gone straight into investment banking. So working at... Um, ABN AMRO and then Goldman Sachs and I'd done that for it was almost eight years in total and I um I kind of knew towards the end that it was like it wasn't quite me there was was there something else like was this going to be my life calling working in this industry but that would have been a really intense job working in yeah. that finance industry yeah super intense so working you know easily from 8am till 10pm, Monday to Thursday, def, you know, that was pretty standard. And then sometimes if it was reporting season, I'd be in there till 1am, 2am, 3am finishing reports. How did you survive working those hours? <sighs> Lots of sugar-free Red Bull. <laughs> wow. <laughs> A whole nother life. Totally, yeah. And I think also when you're in your 20s, your your body, as well as your mind, but your body is capable of being pushed to the extreme. And I think what I've now realised is that lots of women especially push themselves during their 20s and that might be from a career perspective you know working really late hours long hours it might be eating really crappy diet um using drugs whatever it might be and our body's actually quite um capable of dealing with a certain amount of 
I guess, inbound toxins, whether those be emotional or physical. But often what happens is that the bucket just gets fuller and fuller and fuller, and at some stage it topples over. Mm. And that manifests in, in lots of different ways. For me, it was Graves' disease, so an autoimmune condition that affects the thyroid. For other women, it's chronic fatigue. For other women, it's cancer. Wow. Do you think that your uh, experience with working so hard in that finance and corporate industry is, is what led you to have Graves' disease? I reckon... I, I don't like it's not just that and I and I wouldn't pinpoint it on just that but it would have been a culmination of lots of things um you know me me sort of punishing my body in a way that lo- we lots of women do when they're in their young 20s you know I need to look a certain way I need to be a certain way um so working really late hours going out partying drinking and then you know slogging out the gym at lunchtime on the treadmill I mean I would never have done yoga because that would be a waste of time because I'm not burning calories doing yoga why why would you do yoga I mean honestly it was like if I'm gonna go to the gym I need to run or do something like do some weights or something and then fueling up on foods that I thought were healthy but you know subway chicken salad and coke zero you know I thought they were healthy wow but they're not really they're not like fueling your body and your cells with goodness but back then, that was so normal. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people would be able you know? to relate to that. Yeah. What do you think you were in pursuit of during that in the, during that time? Lifelong pursuit of acceptance, probably. Mm-hmm. It was a it was kind of a weird industry because I was probably uh, like there's one of very few females. So in investment banking, I was I was one of two. And then when I moved to the equity research area, which is I was writing research on listed companies, so things that you can invest in like Pumpkin Patch, that no longer exists, but um, Pumpkin Patch, Katmandu, um, the warehouse, I did retail, and then I also did the property sectors, all the listed property trusts, and then media, so um, companies like Sky City, Trade Me. So any big company that's listed on the stock exchange and you can invest in. A lot of responsibility. Yeah, lots of responsibility. But literally in that area, I was the only female. And by the time I left at the age of, I think, 29 is when I finally left, I was the most senior research female research analyst in Australasia out of about 180 research analysts. Wow. And not because I'm senior. That's because there's no woman in that industry. Did, so Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel pressure to... I guess impress or make yourself more worthy being around yep. a whole lot of male people. Yeah. I, I remember thinking I need to be like, I need to be a man, <laughs> but then it was this <clears throat> a mix. Cause you're like, I need to be masculine so that they, you know, I wouldn't never wear my hair down to a meeting. For example, I'd always wear my glasses, you know, to meetings so that I looked more intelligent and, uh, they trusted me and believed what I was saying, so they didn't sort of think, oh, but you're just some blonde 20-something female. So there was definitely me trying to be a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way to m- be accepted and trusted and liked. You know, it all comes down to this, right? Liked by these um, ma- male clients that I was trying to work, you know, present my research to. Yeah. But then at the same time, ever you know, then at the same time trying to balance that with still keeping your like femininity and oh that was totally. it was challenging. It did feel like I was almost living in this body that was not quite mine. Yeah. Yeah. And how much do you think of that pressure was pressure you had on yourself versus how much do you think you realistically actually had to show up like that to be respected? T- totally myself. Totally mm. myself. But it all comes down to, I think it probably comes down to the fact that I wasn't confident in 
myself being good enough that they would respect and respect and want to hear my opinion. So this is my opinion on, a, on you know the research that I've written, and I might say, oh, you should sell pumpkin patch, and I want them to really believe the quality of my work, which was good quality. Like th- there's no questioning that, but it's the it's then me feeling confident enough to present that and them believe in me. Mm. But I mean, had I like if I now went back now as me at the age that I am now and the I guess the beliefs that I have now which is not perfect yeah I would go into a meeting and I'd wear a dress and I'd have my hair down and I'd be and I'd present way more confidently than I did back then because I know that I don't need I don't need them to accept me in that way I know that I'm confident in my work but whoa in my 20s no wow so if you were to give that girl advice now what would you say just like you're good enough good enough to what like you're good enough you're good enough just as you are. You don't have to be something else or someone else to be loved by others. Mm. And that probably is, like, the key learning, I think, of my whole life, is that learning of growing up feeling, you know, not good enough, not loved Mm. by X, Y, Z. And it takes a lot of years to then try and correct that for yourself it's true i think everyone can relate to that so at what point of that eight-year journey did you begin to go oh gosh i think something's going on with my body or something's not quite right yes yes okay so i'd kind of been i'd not kind of known the last that those last few years oh there's not something not quite right with this job i just don't know if it's me like i'd become really good at it but i didn't feel super connected passionate you know all those words that word passionate I say that so many times I think I've got to think of a new word but you know connected and in love with it um I was in love with lots of aspects of it but um I don't know I was like I don't know if this is my life calling anyway sure enough as per usual the physical body catches up and goes (laughs) gives you a slap in the face and manifests in some sort of disease or illness or ailment this is what I've now seen with so many clients and for me it was that Graves disease and I was really unwell so I, I my heart rate at resting used to be 60 beats per minute when mm-hmm. I had, was, had the Graves disease it was up at 95 um, I'd Graves up, disease can be quite serious well it is quite yeah. serious yeah it can and yeah, basically it's your body aging too fast your metabolism's going too fast which sounds like a great thing but it's actually not because your metabolism not doesn't just control what you eat but it controls all your organs so my heart was going too fast all my uh, organ function was going too fast so you've got shakes you're sweating one of my eyes was bulging you can't sleep it's sort of like you're wired like on you know you're you're uh, yeah your body's running way too fast mm. and I kind of I, I knew that I wasn't going to get better in that environment like working in that environment so I took um and my job was actually amazing my job and my boss and the people that I work with they're actually so supportive I took basically um I can't remember what it's called long-term sick leave Mm. you know where you actually go I mean I, I think I was off work maybe for three or four months and I still got like I was still getting paid my base salary that was so Supportive. I guess if you'd been working your yeah. butt off for eight years or yeah. so. How yeah. old were you at that point? 28. Yeah. Yeah. And and they they really said, got, I mean, gosh, I felt so guilty being off and being still getting paid. Mm. felt so guilty about it. But they really didn't. They said, just go take the time, get better. And the, the, 
it means the door's still open, you can come back. The door's still open, you can come back. Amazing. And I kind of, in my heart, was thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to go back. It's but almost making it harder for you. Yeah. It would be easier if they said, you can't come back, and then you go, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember one of the really senior guys, who was quite a hard-line guy, he said to me, he goes, Buffy, the whole point, he goes, even if you don't come back, the whole point of you having worked so hard for this company for eight years and that we offer that long-term sick leave is specifically for this, for you to go in here, like, get better and and then choose at that point. And whichever way you choose, it's fine. And I, I kind of, like, took a little bit of the guilt off my shoulders. But Yeah. So anyway, that happened. And then... Um, I eventually, we, we did lots of changes with our lifestyle, so we ch- that was when I changed to a completely plant-based diet. Wow. Had you been doing a lot of research up to that point around plant-based diets? So while I was working at Goldman's, no, nothing. I'd kind of been a long-term sort of quasi-vegetarian, but he- yeah. heavy, heavy duty on the dairy, and then lots of toxins from, you know, all that good Red stuff Bull. like Red Bull, Diet Coke, da-da-da, um... Um, Those stimulants that you would have actually needed to keep you going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you think, you know, and you're t- you sort of go, oh, well, that's a, I can have those, and that's a freebie, you know. Yeah, if it's sugar free. If it's sugar free, it's it's fr- it's it's fine. Yeah. It's kind of a weird mentality, but I was in that mentality for yeah, easily, easy eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so no, I had not read about plant based diets. So this was all when I went on that long term sip leave. We actually, we went overseas and, and actually traveled. My endocrinologist said, I, yeah, I think you should go away because otherwise you're going to be back here in Auckland, not at work, feeling guilty that you're yeah. not there. And when you are in your usual routine, you still feel the pressures and the stresses of being in that space. Yeah. Um, and you do feel guilty when you're not working. Yes. So she said, no, I think you should go overseas. So we, Tony actually quit his um, role where he was as well. So he was working at the same wow. firm. And we went overseas for about four months into this epic trip, which, oh my goodness, I would recommend to everyone. We went through Southeast Asia and then all through Central, kind of Central Eastern Europe. It's like the best trip, so cheap, so incredible, the culture, the food. Was that your first trip away with Tony? Big trip? First big one. Yeah. yeah. First big one since, you, like, you, after uni, I'd done a three-month totally on the budge as a, you know, <laughs> 21-year-old. Yeah. Backpacking styles, eating, like, whatever... Noodles. You know, noodles and, like, the $1 German sausage on the side of the street. No, no, but this one, I mean, yeah, we were still budget, but not that bad. <laughs> no, so we travelled around for four months. It was so epic, and, like, I recommend it to everyone because I remember always saying to myself when I was at Goldman's, I would love to run a business, and I think I would be good at running a business, but I have no ideas. Like, I just have no... I just have no ideas. If someone could give me an idea... I could run with it, and I think I could do a good job. I remember saying that so many times. And until you have that space, that headspace, where there is literally no pressure, and then I just remember on that trip, I had these ideas flowing, Mm -hmm. like just these ideas flowing of what I could do. And during this time, I was doing all this research on how can I heal the Graves' disease without going and having the surgery or the radiation therapy, which is what is the, the, the two recommended treatments, which are not treatments. They, you basically kill off your thyroid. You are now underactive hypothyroid and you take another medication for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, that's not curing your body. Mm-hmm. And once you go down that path, there's no turning back. So you were determined to find an alternative way. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so on your trip, you finally had the space to think about what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I thought, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I was like... 
I think I want to have my own business. I don't know what that is. Oh my goodness, I'm reading all this stuff about plant-based um, food, you know, raw, raw food, but just so many arrows, just every arrow was like plant-based fluid, plant-based diet. Um, and then from that, I then read and discovered all of this information around the ethical side of, you know, I guess veganism or eating a plant-based diet and the sustainability side of it which honestly, I, 28 years on this planet and I had no idea why I had never seen a pig in New Zealand before, mm. right? I mean, you drive around, I'm like, I've eaten so much 99% fat-free, shaved, heavy-free, shaved, fat-free, shaved ham <laughs> in my life. It's not even funny. And yet I have never seen a pig. Why is that? Why I don't, You don't see them roaming. Why is it? Because they're caged. They're oh, all in cages. I didn't know that. But I've just gone to the food town, which is now Countdown, and never had any connection with my food, where my food came from. We never grew our own food. Mum had a worked six days a week, full-time job, four kids, single mum. You know, so there's no way we grew our own food. Or we were, like, convenience to the max. Mm-hmm. Everything came in a plastic bag. Both Everything. By. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea where any of that food came from. So I hadn't even... Yeah, I didn't even know how animals were treated in our society and you know in in our agricultural society so that was like a huge eye-opener for me and then learning about the sustainability side of it the fact that agricultural emissions you know one of the biggest contributors to global warming the fact that the ice caps are melting and polar bears are no longer able to live is because I'm eating my fat-free shaved ham Mm. you know just understanding that connection and going hang on a second if I choose a plant-based diet for the most part, you know, you don't have to go hardcore vegan, but if I choose this more plant-based diet, A, it's going to heal my Graves' disease, apparently. Mm-hmm. B, it's going to lessen the suffering of animals, which I would hands up do any day. I love animals. I think most people love animals. And three, it's the biggest thing I can do rather than hanging out my washing, taking the bike to school. It's actually the biggest thing I can do to, to help Mm. global warming climate change why would no why wouldn't everyone make that choice I'm, you know and and for a while there i was this you know posting on facebook guys oh my gosh you know you've got to read about this stuff do you know how animals are treated i remember some friends saying to me buffy can you stop posting that stuff on facebook <laughs> you know i was like the the crazy vegan i mean you know you hear these stories about like you know so it was on that trip yeah. that you turned vegan we started reading about it and started turning, yeah, and then it was just a process. And then when I got back, it was a bit more and more. I was still eating a lot of, you know, for the, at the first it was still having a lot of feta and eggs and then and still having, I remember still having fish on that trip. And then it was just a process of just, you know, figuring out how to make that change without feeling like it was some restrictive thing because I was yeah. super conscious that I had been through this period of super restriction from age 18 to, you know, 26, 27, 28, um, and I didn't want it to be that, so I was conscious of that as well, and I'm even more conscious of that now, which is why back then I used this term, this term that a few people will use in the US called plant-based, and honestly, no one was talking about plant-based food in New Zealand, zero, other than you. Yeah, right? (laughs) I was was on a similar journey to you at that that point. Mm. Um, So was there, except for turning your diet plant-based, yeah, Was there any other changes you made in order to create a healing space for your body? That was the primary one, but the second one was removing 
actually I'd say there's three plant-based diet primarily second one was removing toxins so I up until that point I'd used I mean there's no way I used any organic skincare all the products we were using around the home to clean was Ajax spray and wipe all the good stuff Hmm. housed in plastic full of chemicals I had no idea that those things can disrupt the endocrine system disrupt your hormones um just no idea again Mm. it was like shaved 99% fat-free ham and my spray and wipe why would you not buy that and my sugar-free red bull why would you not use those that's what everyone uses isn't it Mm. it was like this realization that that stuff is actually and I remember talking about it and people going oh it's almost laughing at you you know laughing at you that you're being a crazy hippie and that stuff's fine and it's normal of course it doesn't cause cancer and it's so funny now seven eight years on it's starting to become more mainstream yeah. and more known. And now, I mean, now you can buy so much of that stuff from the supermarket. That's true. It's, it's become changed. more accessible. Massively. And I mean, unfortunately, one of the ways people wake up to it is when something goes wrong with their body. Yeah. Um, kind of like how it happened with you. It was, it's like a wake-up call and then you're forced to look at everything you're doing in your life that could be contributing to the physical ailment or however mm. it's manifesting. It could be actually a mental ailment as well or, yeah, many things. But... Um, which unfortunately I think is why now people are more aware of this important Mm -hmm. change or at least way of living Mm -hmm. so how long from that point to finding out that you were beginning to heal your body yeah so I would say we made those those three key changes so plant-based diet started removing you know toxins from the home and moving to more natural products which now is like my life talking about that and teaching other people about how to do that Mm. back then though it was super crazy happy to do that I mean it was literally me and the and the hippies doing it but I was not a hippie well you know I was like very conventional upbringing background job but I was trying to live like these beautiful hippies. I don't know. I was just, uh, yeah. I think that's why <coughs> um, we'll kind of like we'll get to this eventually. But mm-hmm. when you started to write blog posts and kind of talk about this uh, way of living and this holistic, organic lifestyle, because you were, you were and still are like a very modern day woman, you still like you don't present as a hippie mm. it was very relatable i love the hippies any hippies listening i love i love totally. it but All you know for it, it was not me but yeah. it's like if you, your personality presents as like a modern day woman so mm. which is really relatable to um a lot of people and which is why i think you're able to grow a following um around that time because mm. people were starting to open their eyes to it and you were the only one speaking about it mm. um so how long until mm. you started your business yeah so change the diet, remove toxins. And the last thing was reducing stress. That was the last thing I wanted to talk about. So, you know, leaving my job, trying to, I started doing yoga, you know, and it doesn't have to be yoga. It doesn't have to be yoga, but it doesn't have to be meditation because I know people talk about those two a lot, but just actually, uh, trying to keep starting to starting to learn like a baby to reconnect in with myself and, greater purpose and all that sort of stuff and that's that's still a learning process for me too i'm still read books about you know we were just chatting about this book for the four agreements i'm still reading all the time to learn about that because i never really learned about that mm-hmm. growing up um no so, so like a, do you mean like bringing in a spiritual element to it yeah yeah i would say so in the in the absence of re, like a specific religious practice 
reconnecting with some sort of spirituality because you know of this greater greater good or greater universe or a, a greater purpose what is that um so so those three things and then I was so did made those these three changes or at least started down that journey of learning self learning like learning about this myself and then as part of that when we got back from the holiday I started a blog because I thought oh I want to share what I'm kind of learning and at that stage that it was a bit varied there was lots of recipes about the plant-based food that I was learning to cook and oh my gosh you can actually make this taste still tastes amazing yes that was the part I yeah. found the most exciting was yeah. how delicious the food could still be if not more delicious yeah and that's when I found you because you were making these cakes that I was kind of talking about on the blog and writing recipes but you were actually making them for other people to buy you know to to, to go oh it's I'm having a birthday I'm having a celebration I can get Liv to make it for me awesome so I remember that (laughs) I remember you coming around to my place going can I get some acai powder or something yeah and we created some cake recipe together that's right we had a collab that was back when collabs were barely even existing yeah (laughs) when Instagram Uh, was like in it's very early days I do remember there was literally I I would say three people in New Zealand on Facebook uh, sorry (laughs) on Instagram Everyone else that I was on Instagram, Instagram was overseas. Yeah. And the people in New Zealand was you, me, and Daniela Unkovich from right. Healthy Always. Yes. I, there was no one else on Instagram. Yeah. I interviewed Suniva Holt a uh, few weeks ago, and I remember maybe like a year or two into this, she started the account Raw Till 4. Yes. And she was like the only other Aucklander who had a social media yes. presence. Um in the raw food or plant-based yes. movement. Yes, 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 totally. Yeah. So that was kind of cool back then, back in the old days it of was. Instagram, where you could just post anything and, and it looked great. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't matter how good the photo was. Mm. Oh, those days. That's why I love stories now. True. <laughs> just, <laughs> Be as real uh, as you want. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, so I was taking about 12 different medications a day, 12 different pills per day, to manage the graves and over the course of about 18 months with my endocrinologist so I was using conventional medicine as well um, a really amazing lady endocrinologist in Auckland and about 18 months later I had progressively reduced the meds right down to zero my thyroid was in did you say 8 months later? 18 oh 18 18 yeah, it was 18 months from diagnosis to coming off the last pill and I've been, I haven't taken a single one since, and my thyroid's been in zone ever since. That's I do incredible. Yeah. So basically, you know, don't like using those words cure or heal. And now that I've gone back and studied, they're just heavy words. But I mean, essentially, the Graves' disease went away. But do you prefer managing it? Yeah, managed. I, 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 I was able to. I was able to. I guess no. I was able to heal my Graves' disease with a combination of using conventional medicine in those in that those early acute stages which is when conventional medicine is amazing but then bringing in natural medicine long-term lifestyle changes diet you know now, i mean now i talk a lot about diet lifestyle at herbal medicine because i've gone and studied that mm. bringing that in to actually rebalance the body to actually create long-term effects so you eventually can come off the conventional meds and then mm. but still balance things um so yeah it was 18 months and then i've been in I've been hunky dory ever since, pretty much. That other than, incredible. yeah, other than it, it, the graves, as well as um, you know, me having kind of punished my body probably for a good ten years prior to that, um, with diet and exercise and all that good stuff, um, I did still have difficulty getting pregnant. So I went through the full shebang of IVF. You know, all the it's done everything pretty much for my babies, my two kids, 
So outside of those, that, I guess you could say I, I was like 100% cured. Yeah. But you were, you've maintained a plant-based diet ever since then. And you have also gone through two pregnancies maintaining a plant-based diet. Mm. Would you have anything to say around that for women who are considering uh, a plant-based diet but also planning on having children? Yeah. Yeah, you can absolutely, totally do it and be so healthy. Uh, there's no reason there's no reason you're going to be less healthy. I think the, the, the first thing is to realize a lot of the uh, nutritional guidelines and recommendations that we get given, unfortunately, are sponsored by the meat, the dairy industries. And you know this because when you go into Plunkett as a new mum or as a pregnant lady and you go in to see the Plunkett nurse and you get the brochures out the front which tell you about iron and you need to make sure you're having iron and B12 and you look on the back of the brochure and the brochure was written by the meat industry. Mm. Like it's a marketing document. It's not a health document. So take it, sure, and have a read, but read it as a piece of advertising, not as a not as nutritional guidelines based on scientific research. Mm. Do you think it's important for women to be seeing somebody like a naturopath or to, to make sure they're on track with their levels in their iron B12 mm. iodine department? I, I think it is. I think it is prudent. Like I would, whilst I'm saying all this, I don't want women to go and do it on their own and, and for them to be low in iodine, low in folic acid. I mean, those two in particular, you just, you, there's no way you want to go there. So certainly if you're not sure, um, I mean, definitely I would get your bloods done. Um, I'd still recommend for women to be taking some sort of folic acid and iodine, which are the recommendations, as well as, you know, a really good balanced plant-based whole foods diet. Um, yeah, I would, if, if you if I would go and see some, I would get support because I want, yeah, I'd want you to be really healthy through it. Um, I mean, now with the knowledge that I have, I wouldn't go see someone personally because I know what exactly what I need to do. But for most people, yeah, I, I probably would. I would just to, you know, yeah. you don't want to muck around with that, right? You want your baby to come out and be so healthy and for you to be healthy as a, as the mum, as a woman. Yeah. So, um, but I guess what I'm saying is it's a hundred percent doable. It's not, it's not hard as long as you're getting good amounts of uh, you know, your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, lots of your omegas, especially your omega-3s, making sure you're eating foods that are high in iron, B12 in particular. So what foods specifically do you eat that are high in iron and B12? Oof, okay. I have done a blog post specifically on on these. Which I can is, link this in the show notes yeah, if you yeah. send it to me. Because back when I was first starting, I was th- you know, thinking the same thing. Oh, gosh, what do I eat to get iron if I'm not eating red meat? Yeah. I actually did a test on this. So when I was pregnant first time around, um, my iron has always been low. So it's always been around 18, 20, which is borderline. I mean, it's on the bottom of the border. Now I realize that most women I've met with, their iron is between 18, and I've never really met many women with an iron level over 30 anyway. So whilst they give you a healthy range of 20 to 150, I have not met women in that, and around that, you know, 100 to 150 they just don't exist there might be one or two but um so where was i at iron um foods yeah so when i was pregnant my iron your iron naturally drops when you're pregnant because the baby's taking taking some of the iron and also you've got more blood so it's your iron levels drop naturally in pregnancy so often 
women in general, even if they're not on a plant-based diet, have to take iron supplementation. So sure enough, my iron levels were dropping from already low levels, and I was taking iron supplementation, the regular stuff, but it wasn't absorbing. And I tried every single iron supplement, you know, right through to the ones, the most absorbable ones, and my iron was still falling. And I was super nervous at the time because I was thinking, oh no, you know, I've got this baby, I don't want to put them at risk. So I actually went back and ate red meat. So I did the exact recommendations, you know, three times a week, eat red meat. I remember going up into a Thai restaurant and having like a lamb curry and I was like, this is so gross because I hadn't eaten it for so was long. Was this with your first pregnancy? First with pregnancy, Mila. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did that for, of course, maybe, I don't know, about six, eight weeks, got my iron tested again, fallen further. Wow, okay. So here I am doing the recommendations of eating red meat three times a week. I was also eating things like mussels, which are even higher in iron than red meat. Um, And my iron had dropped further. So the question is now, well, are those foods, you know, the best, you know, the bee's knees in terms of iron, which is what we're told, told, made to believe, or is it for my body in particular, there's an absorption issue here. Because I'm not absorbing the supplements that well, and neither, nor am I absorbing the iron from red meat. Um, do I actually need to look at why am I not absorbing? Yeah. Do I not have the, the relevant coenzymes in yeah. place? So, I mean, it was an interesting experiment for me that yeah. it's not always the, the magic That's pill an interesting that people experiment. say it's going to be. Iron B12, but definitely I've, there's lots of food, foods, but you know things that you wouldn't expect, things like um, spirulina, dark leafy greens, all of your legumes. Um, as long as you're eating, like I talk about now the five food groups to have more of the five to have less of, and I don't use the word, I didn't use the word vegan right from the beginning, not because I think, um, you know, if you want to be vegan, that's, that's awesome, you know, it's great, great for your diet, great for the planet, great for animals, but lots of people find that quite polarizing. Yeah. And also there's a sense of, well, I need to be either vegan, and if I'm not vegan, then I'm not. So you're like, it's like this polarity of, I'm either vegan or I'm not vegan, rather than, well, why not just be 50% yeah. or 70% vegan? Plus, it's such an individual thing. And it, like yeah. you said, everyone's body is different, and one person can absorb differently to the next person from having just the same meal. Yeah. Um, I used to find with the cafe, uh, when I owned the Raw Kitchen, it was a vegan cafe, but I never said the word vegan, and I mm. never marketed it, marketed it as vegan mm. because it is polarizing, and mm. I also never wanted to tell anyone that this diet is going to be best for them because I think everyone has uh, has to figure it out in, in a sense yeah. on their own to what makes them feel good. Mm. But um, there was some people who would come in and say, I'm 70% vegan and I love to eat this food. I love that. I'm 70% vegan. I use that all the time now. Yeah, but I mean, they would say that and and then they're like, but I give myself, uh, you know, leeway to Permission. Yeah. have whatever I want if I go to my parents' house and they've made a yes. meal or my grandparents' house or to go out with a group of friends because it's important to not hold that, like you said, that restriction and yes. that polarization of um, a diet or a yes. lifestyle because the way you eat it's about who you are and what you're doing every day and your practices and um, I do think it's important to give yourself a bit of freedom to enjoy yeah. it yeah because I personally think eating a plant-based diet is actually incredibly enjoyable and incredibly rewarding yeah. um, but it's just when you place those kind of restrictions on yourself it can be a little bit challenging which is why I ended up leaving uh, the plant-based diet 
because I was finding that it was just restricting me in some ways. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like 80% now. Yeah, you're 80% vegan. I love 80% it. 80% vegan. <laughs> but, um, and I'm totally all about it, but I'm also about staying realistic in this modern day, giving yeah. yourself space and freedom. But it's so important to figure out what works for you as well. Oh my gosh, the impact on our global health, community health, the impact on animals and the impact on climate change. Mm globally that that can have and also for women to go oh it's not I don't it's not this these foods are good and these foods are bad Mm. and that again I'm bad if I eat this food no as long as you're eating these types of food 80% of the time Mm. or whatever your percentage may be that's awesome what you do in your 20% and I talk about this with my naturopathic clients a lot now what you do in the other 20%, whether that's a Tim Tam, whether it's a glass of red wine, it's a slice of chocolate cake, or it's a big fat steak, I don't really care what you choose. Personally, I would definitely go for the chocolate cake over the steak, but that's just me. <laughs> I'd probably choose the wine. Right? You're right. I, lots of my girlfriends would definitely choose the wine. But what you do in that 20%, that, you know, it's so around the edges in terms of your impact on your health and on the, the world around you, like, is going you know it's what you're doing 80 percent of the time that's going to turn the dial and if we all had that approach yeah can you imagine i know and i also think buffy just with you you are a picture of health and you always have been for as long as i've known you and that often speaks louder than words i Mm. i often think uh you show up glowing regardless of how much you're juggling at the time with your two young ones and i think she's such a advocate for plant-based eating without even saying anything Mm. (laughs) so i want to know what have been some of your hardest lessons and challenges in life that you've had to overcome in all of life yeah i would say kind of harking back to this one we were talking about at the beginning which is learning to love and accept yourself we hear lots about this these days, but learning to love and accept yourself as you are and not needing to seek the approval of others to feel good enough and feel loved. That's pretty much the, the, the like cincher for me. And when I look at everything that I do, like everything that I've done in my entire life, it's always been essentially to seek and get the approval and love from others, like desperate to feel loved and accepted by others so whether that be winning the tap dancing competition getting the a pluses and you know winning the top prize in my degree whatever it is it's like when I actually come down to why do I want that why am I so set on getting that Mm. it's to feel loved and accepted by others and then realizing you don't need to get the prize to get that you can you can get that feeling by loving and accepting yourself and that's not an egotistical thing like I love myself oh my god I love myself sorry excuse me but I love myself over others no that's a I'm good enough and I'm I'm perfect just as I am with all my imperfections right now yeah of course we're always on a journey of of improving things and that's life that's awesome that's so exciting but that you're yeah that you're good enough right now you're good enough right now as you are to do whatever you want to do um that's probably my biggest life learning and it has taken me literally 30 something years before I even got close to yeah realizing that wow I think that is 
that's honestly something that every single person in this entire world can relate to. Mm. What are some things on a daily basis that you do to make sure that you're giving yourself that that love? Yeah, um, definitely movement, like physical movement for me, and I, I would I, I would say for everyone, I, I think is so important. So like I always try and do some physical movement in the morning, whether that's uh, like at the moment it's going for a walk or yoga and nothing else because that's what I can do with the kids but that's that's fine I'm like you know in the past it's been going to the gym or going and playing indoor netball with the team those are pretty hard to do these days but I can roll out a mat and do yoga practice even though Torrin is like well actually the two kids are like clambering over me <laughs> um, so you do home yoga home yoga now Torrin is how old 11 months and Mila is four and a half yeah so you just make it work for what you've got going on at home. Yeah, I literally have a mat under there. I roll it out here. I put my diffuser on. I get some nice music. Wow. I put it on my laptop or on the phone. The kids are crawling over the entire time. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to... Yeah, I'm great. so grateful that I have them. So, And I'm so grateful I can do this practice and have them. And yeah, it's not as peaceful and zen as going to a class, but it works. Or I'll go for a walk. Oh, so this morning I went for a walk. I put Tyron on my front back and I went for a walk. Or I'll put both of them in the push chair and go for a walk. But that movement is so important. And now what I've realized is doing exercise is not about burning calories, looking a certain way. There's a lady, there's a, a girl that I know, um, Alice Nichols, who she talks about, I do the exercise for my brain. The booty is just a bonus. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. the nervous system. I find that... Yeah. When you, for me, when I think about exercise, if it's going to shock my nervous system, like if I'm craving a run or if I'm craving an intense gym class, I make sure to bring my nervous system back down afterwards. Mm. Otherwise, it actually ends up having a... the opposite effect on me. It doesn't make me feel good and energized. By the afternoon, I'm actually feeling really depleted because my nervous system has been high all morning. Yes. Which is why I love things like exercise, like yoga or walking, because it's actually moving the body, but it's also really a beautiful effect on the nervous system. Yeah. And it's like that meditation and movement. Yeah. You know, it's that meditate, yeah, which you don't necessarily get. Some people do get it when they're going for a run. If they zone out from the world and run, they get that sort of meditative I get that aspect, but yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what I used to get wrong with exercises. Oh, I need to break a sweat and be sweating and be watching the calorie counter on the treadmill and get to the four hundred before I can stop. You know, I remember and realizing actually I do exercise now because for my brain, for my head, Mm. for my mind, for my emotions, and what we now like what we know is that when you exercise, it creates serotonin, dopamine Mm. in the brain. It's it, it. physically makes you feel good in your in your mind and you're more able to cope with whatever stresses come that day so i i know that if i don't move my body and do something in the morning and things come up during the day which they do you know torren wakes up early when i was actually planning to do a one and a half hour work segment Liv and I try and do a podcast and Taryn is making so much noise. We have to cancel and reconvert, you know, things come up all the time. And if I haven't done that movement, those things are likely to push you over the edge and make you have a breakdown, you know, have a cry, get angry, eat chocolate, whatever, whatever the, you know, compensatory measure is. Yeah. It puts you in that reactive state. Yeah. Whereas if you go in within the zone of, yeah, my serotonin, my dopamine's high. You're much more able to cope with any of those things that come up during the day. Mm. 
and yeah so so movement bodily movement every day is like would be my absolute number one mm. time away from my phone mm. like time away from my phone from the screen not just the screen but the inbound do, 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 notifications i have all my notifications off all facebook all messenger messages all email no i do not get blips on the screen for anything um i try and turn my phone off at you know like 7 p.m and not look at afterwards i'm not good i'm not perfect at that what? but having that time away what happens when you spend too much time looking at the screen i think it's it's not i i think it's less about the blue light that part because i can happily watch uh, a series on tv and fall asleep straight away and feel really calm it's less about the blue light it's more about the inbound noise that we now experience in our life that is just constant i mean you literally could be on your phone on instagram on facebook on emails on your messages all day get to the end feel and this is what happens you get to the end you feel super cluttered manic Mm -hmm. like stressed Mm -hmm. rather than actually going you know i can now make make a make the effort in the morning to literally turn my phone off not check emails focus in on what do i really want to achieve whatever project that is it might be a work project it might even be on a Saturday and it's just quality time with the kids taking Mila to a music lesson or something. And I'm not perfect at this, but what I know is that when I do do that and you go in and you actually be present with the activity, A, you get so much more done, but B, it is so much more enjoyable mm. being present with the project you're working on or present with the kids or whatever it is, present with the dinner out with your girlfriends, not on your phone checking your Facebook. It's so much more enjoyable, so much more pleasurable. Do you know, I used to, I remember when I was working at Goldman's, I had a BlackBerry. I don't know if anyone remembers Blackberries. So back then, it was the only phone that you had where you got emails on your phone. And all my girlfriends had Nokias, just like Nokias that just get text. And I remember we'd be out for dinner, and I'd be checking emails, you know, because it was 9 p.m., but it was a Thursday night, and I needed to still check on some work emails. And they would all mock me about... You know how, like, can't you just turn that thing off, like, mm. type thing? And now we all have that. Mm. Everyone has everything, not just emails, but Facebook. You know, all these other. It's just inbound noise. It's just thing. It's so cluttering for our brains. And, yeah. It's yeah. it's funny though. Like it's it's. I try and have um, technology free days or technology free blocks of hours at a time. But what I find is that if I get into a rut or I'm something kind of triggers me and I'm feeling low or sad or anything like that, stressed, yes. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to look at my phone and have a check on Instagram. And, <laughs> and then a little bing pops up and I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Like yeah. a few comments. And it's that too. It's that instant gratification and that yeah. self-soothing of when we get into uh, a rut or anxiety or stress-producing situation it makes us feel better temporarily and I think that's what people are addicted to mm. I think if it's filling your cup like if it's lifting you up with any of these things you know if like on Instagram I, I, I just went through this cull I was had put, over eight years had was following like three and a half thousand people and I literally asked Tony and one of the girls that works with me can you please just unfollow everything like just everyone don't don't discriminate just unfollow everything so it took about four days and um, 
I was following about two people and I got a whole bunch of messages going, did you just unfollow me? Did you just unfollow me? <laughs> I'm like, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. I'm just decluttering. And then I'm going to start fresh yeah. and only follow the people that really lift me up, that make me feel loved, that inspire me. Yeah. And I would highly recommend doing that exercise. And, yeah. and that's not just Instagram. That's like with everything in life, clearing it all out, starting fresh and just, yeah, only connecting them with the things that lift you up. And in that sense, social media can be amazing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it's become something that's like a comparison thing, oh my gosh, look what they're making and their food looks so good and their family looks so cute and oh, the photos of their kids are so gorgeous and oh, she, her clothes are so beautiful. You know, you've had these thoughts. And as soon as you go, oh, is that a positive thing? Or is, mm-hmm. or is that pulling myself down? If it's the latter, I'd suggest maybe... It's Just true. pausing on that. And I think at different phases of our life, different things spark joy and inspire yes. us, which is why it's also important to kind of continually check in and see if they are. Because, for example, there's definitely times where I go through phases that I'm really into a certain style of fashion, for example, and I like to follow accounts yes. that excite me and inspire me. But then maybe a year later, those accounts are no longer making me feel good about myself, so I want to start afresh again. Yeah. So. And that's the great thing, right? Mm. We can we can tailor you can and I tailor your I mean if you if you're on Instagram, tailor your Instagram feed to be something that's inspiring, inspiring and bespoke for you right now. Mm. You know that's awesome. You can you can change it and tweak it anytime you like. But I had gone to this this point of like complete overwhelm, you know, and and now I keep it sleek. So yeah, so I think I'm following about seventeen people. It's pretty much like family, friends, and then you know if I randomly remember like a connection I'm like yeah I do I do want to let that person in I feel very special that you're following me now (laughs) like I made the cut yes but I I, I won't take it personally if you unfollow me (laughs) I feel the same way with other people so like I've got 41,000 people following me on Instagram but I honestly feel like if I'm no longer lifting you up and inspiring you gosh just turn that off that's okay totally I agree be super clean and what you're what you what's what's in your inbound inbox I agree. Yeah, and if you don't need me right now in your life, oh man, that's so fine. And I'm like, I'd be here when you do want me again. Yeah. If you want, you know. I agree, yeah. and I think that approach is so good. And I also have a similar approach to my, the people who follow me. I'm like, if you don't follow me anymore, that's absolutely amazing. If you resonate with what I'm talking about, then that's amazing too. But I'm not gonna get my worth from whether people enjoy my content or not I've, I enjoy the content I put out that's why I put it out it's yes. not for yes. making people like me you yes. know and I think that's an important relationship too if you're a content creator or if you've got your business on Instagram yeah. unfollows don't mean that you're not doing your job right it's focusing on what you enjoy putting out that's lifting you up yes keeping you at your highest vibration that's the most important thing and the right people will come exactly so 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 true and I mean Instagram in itself social media in itself you know when I talk about this thing of self-love acceptance being liked and loved by others oh my gosh social media is the worst thing for someone who feels like that Mm. because everything you post is judged based on how many likes you get used to be used to be I love that change yeah so stoked about that change I love it it's so good so if anyone hasn't seen that you now post on like Instagram and you don't see the number of likes you can click in as a content creator you can click and see but other people don't see it oh it's the best thing for and like for young people growing up in this world of social media and feeling that they are rated and judged and and loved by a number 
Oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I'm oh, so glad they made that change. It's me awesome. Too. Especially for those young minds yes. who are growing up in this world of likes. Yeah. Well, no longer. Yeah. So we are, we've got a few questions left. Yeah. So I just want to pivot slightly. Yes. I want to know what your thoughts are or your relationship to higher energy beyond us. What are your spiritual beliefs? Oh, golly. I mean, I grew up in a family, like I grew up in a family which was, I guess, religious. My mum and her parents were very religious. So I remember the first part of my life in terms of a connection with spirituality is that there was a church and there was a God and we'd go to Sunday school. And that kind of fell away and our family was no longer religious. And then I think there was this void kind of of 20 years probably until probably the last five years where, well, I don't go to church, so there's no religious spirituality. What I knew to be spirituality, there's nothing there. So if someone had asked me, oh, are you spiritual? I would have said, oh, no, because I don't go to church. Mm. So I can't be, right? And then in the last few years, it's I've been kind of coming back to this realization that um, for some people, spirituality is religion, and I love that for some people that is what they believe in and that's what uh, fills their soul. I'm so respectful of that. But I also I also think that there are other ways to be spiritual um, and that doesn't mean sitting down doing a meditation and yoga. That means realising that there's a greater good, a greater purpose, um, like something bigger than just you and yourself and connecting in with that and connecting in with others and community, whether that's like a physical kind of community or like a more global good. Um, this is still a part of my life that I'm, I'm figuring out, but, uh, I certainly feel that when I, when I was in that void of, well, I don't have a, I don't go to church, so I can't be real, I can't be spiritual to now where I'm reconnecting in with that. It definitely feels so much more whole mm. having something there and I do think that all humans need that and crave that mm-hmm. that kind of that connection and that greater purpose that love mm-hmm. that's yeah just bigger than your own body if that makes sense mm. what does it feel like for you when you are more connected to that sense of greater purpose doing things it's like I'm in action doing things not for a specific goal but not for a specific like um reward I guess is what I'm saying you know so like you're talking about the social media post I'm putting out that social media post not because I want to try and get 300 likes because that's always gonna well you either in that instance you're either going to win or fail Mm. but putting things out because you really believe in them you want to help others you want to lift others up when I do things, when I am in action in that way, it just feels, I it feels so much better, but also I end up, what I end up, the work I end up doing is so much better. Mm. It's so much better quality when you're doing something for the benefit of others um, because you love it, because you're, again, this word, because you feel passionate about it. So like when I am talking about plant-based health, plant-based nutrition, natural medicine, when I'm talking about it because I just feel so passionate, and this is how I feel, I feel so passionate about it, I, I so want it to reach other people in whatever capacity they want, you know, 80, 80, 20, I don't care, you know, I don't care. Um, and there's no specific outcome other than wanting to just touch, if I can lift other people up with that, then that is, 
I just feel like everything feels more alive and full and more successful doing it in that way. So like having a, a purpose, yeah. a greater sense of purpose. Yeah. Do you think giving back to your community is an important aspect of having that connection? I think so. And I originally used to think, oh, well, giving back means doing a donation or something, right? Like, if you if you want to give back, it's like, oh, you have to go do some volunteer work or do some do a donation. Now I just realize it's it's it doesn't have to be that. I mean, that's awesome as well. But it doesn't have to just be that. It's about giving your best and giving you know your gift to the world, like what you're good at, to others and using that to help others. Um, that that's giving back, and and you know not necessarily for a financial goal or because it's going to benefit you in this way or because when you take that out I don't know it just feels so much more fulfilling and the funny thing is is the the sort of tangible success financial benefits I actually find that if you if you go that other route those come anyway yeah more that's true yeah I agree yeah how did you find your purpose (sighs) well I think taking this time out and doing that travel Mm. and giving yourself that headspace for for things to come in and for you to go, what do I actually love doing on a daily basis? I remember thinking, oh, well, I really love looking through recipe books for hours on end and then thinking, yeah, but that can't be a job. No one's going to pay you to look at recipe books. But But you did do that. Kind of, yeah. So having my own experience with the graves and then using plant-based natural medicine through food and then later on through actual, you know, more physical herbal extracts, herbal medicine, having that experience myself and then now having seen so I went back to study nutrition and naturopathy um herbal medicine now having seen so many clients have that same journey and and get success um I feel like now that is my purpose is Mm. helping other people with their health both physical and mental through natural plant-based medicine I love that. Yeah. What would you say to people who are currently trying to find more of a sense of purpose? Mm. Uh, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So if you can travel through Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe for four months, ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but even if it's not that, if you can get out of your own head, even if it's going for you know long walks at Murawai by yourself without your phone, without your phone, just in nature or connecting in with you know something so that you can actually start just clearing some space and when you clear that space my experience was when you clear that space and just be that's when the ideas will come in and you'll start getting that sense of okay maybe like what are the things that you love doing there's lots of little activities you can do but what are the things you love doing what are the things you do when no one else is watching you know what? Are the, what? What is it that you can do for three hours? And suddenly you look at your the watch and you go, "Oh my goodness, three hours have just gone past. I've just spent three hours doing this." And no, not scrolling Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And then what is that activity? And is there a way that you can do that activity in a way that serves others, and therefore create that into a job? You know, a livelihood. Mm. That's probably the process I would go go through. And that you don't have to have it all mapped out, but oh. just taking one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you go, like, if you said, have you found your purpose? Oh, well, I'm still, it's, it's, you know, it's like the Instagram feed. 
it's cha- it's still navigating, it's changing, it's kind of ebbing and flowing. I've added different things, and I think you always need something a little bit new to stay excited. And uh, That's a you know, really important point. Yeah. Keeping it fresh. I think what often can happen also is you get into a groove. You find something good that works for you, but then a year later you've actually changed a lot, and you. Um, and I've had to, I learned this a lot with the raw kitchen, mm. keeping things new and important and fresh and not staying in the safe zone yeah. is so important for evolution, not just of yourself, but of your business. Because mm. when you capture, for example, when you've got a hook and you capture an audience and you've got a product, say you've got a business, other people are going to move on and evolve themselves if you don't continue to do that. Yeah. And that applies to ourselves as well. We have to stay um, kind of motivated and inspired and fresh to mm. stay excited about life. Yeah, totally. And someone someone said to me the other day, or someone was at a, um, like a business training, and someone, one of the ladies was talking about the fact that do the things that you're fearful of, do the things that ski the most, because those are the things that give you the biggest kicks. It's true. And I thought... That's so true. Like, if you do the things that you just, you know, the day-to-day, check my email, write a blog post, whatever whatever the, is the things that, you you know, you've gotten quite good at, yeah, you kind of get to the end of that and go, oh, okay, well, I did that. I, I did those things. But you're never going to go, oh, my goodness, like, shoot. I'm like, can you believe I did this today? I've achieved so much. You know, but do the things that you're most fearful of. And that's one thing I do try and do, and I'm still in the practice of doing this, is each day going, what's the thing on my to-do list that I'm most scared of to do, that I feel most fearful about? And generally, there's some element of rejection, uh, non-approval associated with the thing you're scared of. Mm. Do that thing first. Because mm. you will feel so, you know, you'll get more kicks out of that yeah. than doing the mundane. Um, and the mundane stuff you can always do at the end of the, you know, after that but trying to do that true scary thing first and that will help you to do this you know this evolving process that we're talking about and find your purpose it's true and when you do do that scary thing first or that thing that could bring rejection or could bring something that your brain is telling you will be negative even if it does happen it's never as bad as you think or perceive it to be Mm. in the beginning Mm. and you always learn so much no matter how it goes whether it goes how you intend it to go or if it goes uh, not the right way you still learn and evolve for your next step and rejection is redirection so if you don't experience the response you want mm. then you know next time how to do it in a more effective way or in a better way or in a way that actually serves you in the path you're on yeah so what are you most excited about right now <sighs> um oh just like life in general I feel pretty when I look at my life I go oh pretty blessed really like I've got two amazing kids like I've got a little girl and a boy perfect have like a great partner um you know we're like a 9.5 most of the time and then we oscillate to a three and then we're back to a 9.5 that's awesome uh I have like a beautiful home I um I feel like I'm doing something of value in the world uh I have the freedom to create what I'm doing and change what I'm doing. Like, how many people don't have that freedom? That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, from a work perspective, I probably am doing, I'm kind of doing three things. I'm still doing my blog, so plant based food, teaching people about how to make plant based food. And that's been the longest standing thing. So mm-hmm. for me, it's important to keep that fresh and stay excited about yeah. it. Because um, I know if I'm fresh and I'm excited about it, 
other people will be excited about it. Exactly. Whereas I have gone through periods with the blog where I've felt stagnant and then I, I know that the content I've created has been flat, if that makes sense. People can um, see authenticity too yeah. very easily with the content you put out. Yeah. Not you specifically, but even just anybody. Totally, totally. And that you don't always get it right, but just connecting mm. and going, hey, if I'm excited about writing this, people, other people will feel that too and it, and it will be of value mm. to others, you know. So that part I'm, I'm still doing lots of and, I, you know, I, and I, still, I still love that. It's just about keeping it fresh for myself and therefore for others. Um, consulting with clients. I'm, I'm, so I'm seeing uh, naturopathic consult, mm. consultation clients and I love that because it's the chance to really oh, connect in with someone and make a massive difference in their life um, because I basically get to take them through a journey, you know, if they've got their own health issue and then going, okay, well, how can we, what's a long-term plan that we need to work through to get you through this and, and, you know, not, maybe not cured or healed those words, but, but in a much better space. Mm. So I love that. You know, I just spilled water on the floor. That's all right. <laughs> oh God. That's all right. Um, and, and then the last part that I've been doing most recently is um, working with essential oils and bringing that into my naturopathic practice and also into my food as well. And I've been loving that. This room smells amazing, by the way. It smells good. Mm. I've been like, lo- yeah. And I've been loving that because I think it's something fresh and something new. Like I was saying, you know, keeping doing something new. Um, they obviously smell great, but I love the therapeutic properties. Mm. So again, we're talking about people's health from a mental and physical perspective, we can use them so much for that. Mm. Um, but I also love that it's connected, reconnected me back in with a community mm. of um, people, whether that be people who are effectively kind of clients of mine that I get to look after from a health perspective, but other women, also other women that are entrepreneurial in their own right, but have their own sort of health and wellness, you know, business or, or, or passion. Uh, Cause I think doing the blog for I guess six years prior to that it's you'll know as well it, mm. you've got lots of people following you on social media but at the same time you are alone mm-hmm. and unless you go and have you know coffee catch-ups with other people in the industry which mm. is what you and I did mm. you are on your own and it is um you don't have that same feeling of connection and community so what I've loved with doing the work that I do with the essential oils is have is re-establishing a community for me that I can tap into and fill my own cup up yes. and then go up and then go back to my little blog and be alone and be on the you know it's but so, so I love important. it it's so important to have that connection mm. um and where can we find you so you can find me on Instagram obviously at no, be good organics yeah at be good organics on Instagram at be good organics on Facebook um on my website begoodorganics.com and you can sign up for my um, plant-based recipes Mm -hmm. on my website so definitely do that and give some of them a try they're amazing like I just love watching your videos of how you make them it's like I don't even make one but I just love watching the videos yeah (laughs) yeah I'm so glad yeah and that was another thing I remember those videos when we talk about doing what you fear I remember when we first started doing those videos going there's no way we can make videos but it's only through trial and error that you get good at something right um yeah so those ways and then uh you can obviously come see me for a consultation if you're interested in natural health and want some support or if you're not quite ready for that you can come to one of my small group workshops which i love it's a really easy way for you to kind of tap your toes into 
the world of natural health mm. and see if it's for you without necessarily needing to commit specifically to a consultation, which Amazing. is a, well, I'll link yeah. it in the show notes as well. The yeah. next one you've got coming up. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Buffy. Thanks for having me. It's funny. This is the second time we've tried to interview for this podcast. The first time we had it, um, we were in this small, dinky little room. It was very echoey with concrete floors, and Buffy brought her little one, and he was not (laughs) having a bar of it, and he was making all the noises, and so we just ended up catching up instead and rescheduling. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Yeah, me too. You're so full of wisdom, so thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you got heaps out of today's episode. I know I sure did. And as always, you can find any of the show notes either in the podcast app or on my website, www.lovebyolivia.com, where you can type Modern Intuition Podcasts into Google and it will pop up as the first option. And as always, if you love today's episode, please review, give us a rating, subscribe, share with your friends so that I can keep making these podcasts for you. And until next time, have a beautiful week.